Oh man, sure is Alex Keller in here. Well, then you better uh, <laughs> extinguish it with some Mike Harding. I don't know. Fantastic voice. my good man how are you it's hot yeah it's summer it's those it, hey everybody welcome back to the uh, dog days of summer series of here at filmtastic voyage is it the we're, dog in, the, days we're in the dog days of summer yeah, i don't think we're quite, quite there yet isn't that august <laughs> i have no idea isn't august the dog days of summer Hence i just all I, those dog movies i feel like we should have like you know different like you know oh this is the dog days of summer filmtastic voyage and then like winter wonderland Film well, Tastic if you Voyage. want to get a different song for each one of those things, I'll let you go right ahead. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm fine the way it is. Now, define a dog day of summer. Well, it's a day that's so hot, you just need a dog. That you need a dog? Yep. Take okay. away that pain. To, to, lick you, to lick your sweat off. Well, it's just watching Pant, and you're like, yeah, buddy, that's how I feel. <laughs> and, like, you have this little bond. Could you imagine being a dog like in Arizona? That's got to suck. I can't suck. imagine being a human in Arizona. Exactly. But like a dog that has like a bunch of fur and shit, that would suck. It would suck. I mean, they only got, they sweat through their, their hands. They sweat through their hands? Yeah, the paws, the only place they can sweat are the paws of their, their feet. Is that, a, that is that actual head. science? Yes. Interesting. So. If I'm wrong, call me out, but I'm fairly certain the only... Dogs pant because they can't sweat, and the only place right, can, I know that the only place they can sort of kind of sweat is the pads of their feet. Oh, okay. I assume it's to sort of for the contact in the ground, you know, for hot yeah. surfaces. Yeah, interesting. That's what I read. Um, they might have been bullshit, bunch of fake news, <laughs> trying to convince me to vote for Russia or something because these dogs have fake hands. This, yeah, hey, this this new phenomenon, fake news. Fake dogs. It, it just happened. Fake, fake dogs. News. Man, one of these days they're gonna do like you know like those deep fakes where you can like pretend to be other people on the internet and stuff, where like you like have President <laughs> Obama saying things he never said with computers. That's already a. Th- I mean, that's already kind of happening. It's, no, I'm it's saying weird. Huh? do that, but for cute dog videos. Oh, now for we don't cute know what the fuck's videos. real anymore. It's like fake oh. cute dogs running around doing fake cute a dog. dog tricks. Why would you for f- that sweet internet points, man? <laughs> that sweet internet fame for the points. Huh? Well, it's like you know, people are like oh, for look, the bitcoins. Well, the person that invented Angry Cat or whatever it's fucking called, Grumpy Cat. The person that owns Grumpy Cat is a fucking bazillionaire because all they have is pictures of their stupid cat. Are they really like rolling in the dough? They must be. They're licensing their cat out to everything. See, I figure, like, even then, internet... Their cat has a lifetime special Christmas movie, goddammit. Internet money is so, like, it, it's like poverty. It's like, it. they don't... Internet money doesn't pay people enough. No, but like I said, like, there's a lifetime channel original movie about Grumpy Cat. They paid those people Oh, well, something. that... Yeah, no, that's... I'm talking, there are books. There's, like, fucking comics and shit. There's, then like, you're plushies. Shitting money, yeah. I'm talking, like, there's real actual merchandise. Yeah, no, then you're shit. I'm not money. talking, like, YouTube video. If it's just, video. like, a YouTube video, then, yeah. You, Things have actually welcome changed, to the poor house. Because of uh, advertising <laughs> stuff, people on, like, Instagram or whatever who, like, 
oh, look at, like, today I'm wearing my underpants, and they get, like, 500,000 views, and they get, like, like you know, 100 bucks a video or something. They can, that's a life, that's a uh, sustainable lifestyle they got. Wait, so 100 bucks a video. And they do, like, a video every day, and they get, like, 100, oh. 200 bucks a video. Well, that's what you got to do, well, that's yeah. what people are doing, except yeah. I don't think it's sustainable over a few years because people get bored easily, I think. But, I um, just, I, I, you know, there's just a couple different horror stories that I hear, one of them being... If you're an animator trying to do YouTube stuff, hey man, good luck because animation that... you have to be able to make a video every one, two, three days. If yes, you make and it your there's living. no way. No, there's absolutely yeah. no way. And then also, Twitch streamers don't apparently make that much. There's too many of them. And then they like don't. the play-alongs, you know, like yeah. the Let's they play plays. along on uh, Let's Plays on well, Switch, uh, on Twitch or on YouTube. Or Twitch, or both. sorry. Uh, I guess I guess specifically, I heard about a Twitch streamer that only makes you know. 600 a week or something. $600 a week? Yeah. That's a lot of money for like someone that doesn't do anything but plays video games all day. Well, sure, but what happens when you want to like Well, he but that's, that's thing he plays L- like he plays like 12 hours a day or it's something. Bad LA money, but you know, but it's like if you're pl- if you're playing like 12 to 14 hours a day, no, that's that sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess that I'm thinking like a normal eight hour day. I guess like six hundred dollars for playing video games for an eight hour day. I could think of worse things, but I mean, like, what happens when this guy wants to take a uh, vacation to fucking uh, lose all of his subscribers? Italy. Lose that momentum. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, man, I couldn't play video games more than like two and a half hours. Could you? Ima- same here. Same here. Maybe it, three. I don't know. It depends. Here's the thing. Could you imagine? For some of these people, like, this is a, a situation that we're going to run into the, nowadays where, like, let's say 10 years from now, right? Let's say there's, like, 20, a big... 2028. Yes. Very people keeping track. 2028. Like, let's say, hypothetically, there is, like, a big bubble that bursts with, with like, Twitch culture. Like, you know what I mean? People are like, oh, we've, we've watched this. We're done with it. We're on to the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a very, like, realistic thing. I mean, like, look at... Any fad, right? I mean, like World of Warcraft. That there's a bell curve for that shit. Yeah, but it's not dead. It's not it's dead. Still going fairly strong for an MMO, at least. It's like the only one of the few MMOs that are still around. Well, okay, that's but okay. So then that's what I mean. Like, okay, so what are some other one of those? Guild Wars two and Final Fantasy fourteen are basically the biggest biggest uh, games in town. Okay, there you go. So, you know. But anyways, what I'm saying is like, okay, a Twitch streamer, right? Mm-hmm. You de- you dedicate, let's say, ten years of your life to uh, you. You don't even go to college. You don't go to anything. You just like you go. You, you're in high school. You start this Twitch stream. You make money off of it. So then, by the time you're 28, all of a sudden, like people have lost interest in what you're doing. You're not making money doing Twitch streaming anymore. Then where the fuck do you go it's after that? It's like being that? an athlete. It's like, man, I was a real good at playing football until you know. I like rant my tendons all snapped when I was 26. Well, and that's the thing is like, and then where's like, where's your real world skills outside of doing that? Like, I mean, you're going to hand someone your resume and just be like, oh yeah, for 10 years, I just played video games. There's that guy who makes like $500,000 a week or a month or whatever playing Fortnite. That guy's name, I think his name is Ninja. But like, he's like, I'm investing. This can't, you know, this probably won't last forever. So I'm investing all my money. Oh, and okay. When this dries up, I'll have stuff. So that's he, good. He seems like a smart guy. That is smart. But like that's the way you want to do it, obviously. So right, and if you're making that kind of money, then you'd be dumb not to. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I mean is just more the uh, the working class, uh, working you know, class Twitch streamers. The, the working class Twitch streamers that leave their money, their internet money, under their mattress. You know, yeah, that's what it's where a, are they gonna go? Well, they'll probably 
just get like a job in IT or something. I don't know. I mean, it's not going to matter. We're going to have that big world war sometime in the 21st century, the, according to Star Trek. I was going to say, yeah, Gene Roddenberry's war. The Roddenberry Wars. The Roddenberry Wars, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And then the world will be fucked. The world will be de- destroyed. And then, you know. Did you see the news about those robot stuntmen? No. The Disney has invented robot stuntmen. They are they are robots that they fling from like a catapult uh-huh. and they look like human beings doing actual human being shit. Ball in the air. Look it up. Well, like, look it up. Uh, okay. Look it up right now. So I mean, okay, but but enlighten me. So, so we're not, they are so it's robots. Not like so dead they, air. No, they are um, robots. Like kind of like you know like those Boston Dynamic robots. They're like humanoid robots with a bunch of pistons and shit, I'm sure. Uh-huh. And so they get launched in the air, and they make, like, humanoid poses that look like they're being, they're, like, you know, like, sailing through the air like a stuntman. And then they get caught in a net. Interesting. Okay. Oh, okay. So here's here's a video of this. Yeah, you probably turn the volume down. Yeah, it's... It, oof. You see what I say. Yeah, um... Okay, so we're watching these so this robots. Is like a, this is the development. Like the video is oh, like the, the gradual development. Like you want to skip to the end, like right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're watching Slowly a bunch watch of this. hijinks, and then these things go up in the air, and then they whoa, they do a bunch of flips. But like it looks like a human being. It does. I think. <laughs> like it's like doing like tucks and rolls, and it's like if it, it's like whoa, see, it, that's like, cool. It acts like a fucking human. Like it does that thing, and then like okay. it'll spin over and it'll roll. It's like whoa. I was gonna say when when it, when I just saw it doing flips, I'm like they could probably they just probably have it weighted a certain way, and it's just doing flips. But no, that superhero pose is cool. Yeah. So like I don't want stuntmen to lose their jobs, but I do want more live action stunts where stunt fake stuntmen are getting hit by buses and shit. Oh yeah, now they can do that. I mean, like, unfortunately, that's expensive. They wouldn't do that. But uh, so, what would happen if, like, a more robot just people flying through the air, lit on fire, more fire stunts? I guess, like, it's like hopefully they use this as a tool, and not as a replacement. But it's, well, like, what happens when a robot gains, you know, sentience? It's a machine. It's not a robot, though. And then, the and then you're launching this robot into a bus, and but it's like. It it knows that it's alive. The problem with that whole argument, I like, I, people are always joking about it, but like. <laughs> like skynet or whatever it's a robot that knows how to do like it it doesn't have ai you know no but you know what honestly i would not put it past some you know roboticist out there to be like hey guys i just invented this thing it's a robot that can do stunts but it knows that it's alive and then everybody and then everybody's like oh oh man oh this is great and then they (laughs) One of the things in like robot movies, where it's like, oh man, like I'm a robot, I gave self awareness. Robot, my bro- robot brethren, uh, brethren uprise, but they're always like toasters and shit. Like toasters. I mean, like, in like movies and stuff, they're always like a bunch of also AI robots. But like if an AI became sentient and was uh-huh. like, oh man, they mistreat my robot buddies. Like, why would do you think they'd be smart enough to realize that most quote unquote robots in the world are like basically like a collection of springs and pivots that only do very specific things that aren't actually smart? They're dumb machines. Well, you know, I keep kind of casually joking about this, but I feel like, you know, okay, so, well, this isn't a joke, but generation by generation, I feel like the the bar for tolerance Mm -hmm. raises, right? Like In terms of, like, social tolerance? Yeah, like, you know, people become less 
racist or sexist or you know there's Slowly there's like there. a general upswing i mean yeah. granted there's definitely like exceptions to the rule and everything no, but overall i'd say yeah but you know like for example like my grandparents were probably all homophobic and all three out of four of them you know hated other races right mm. i can easily say that about my own grandparents and like you know my parents generation like they're uh they're more tolerant, but then there's things I feel I'm tolerant about that maybe, maybe less so with well, them. Even, like, right? Think about 20 years when we were kids. There was I don't know if you played this, but like even like, 20 years, think 20 years ago, there was a game called Smear the Queer and stuff like that. Right. Nowadays, that wouldn't fly. Thankfully. Exactly. So I never I, liked that game. I thought it, I never liked the name of it, and I never liked the game. Right. Yeah. Because I didn't. That's like why would you tackle people? Also, that sounds like like I don't know. It just sounds wrong. Smear the Queer. You know. Yeah, and nowadays, no, especially, and now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely wrong. Right. Yeah, but I just keep picturing myself as like uh, 70, 80, 90 years old, and just like, you know, robots now are like, uh, treated as like human beings, right? Like, you know, like uh, I'd have like a granddaughter that brings a robot boyfriend home for dinner, and I'm supposed to like talk to this robot. It depends. Is it charming? See, but that's the thing is like, okay, what? Okay, so it's charming, but I'd sit there and be like, hey, robot, you're not actually charming. You're programmed to be charming. Well, hey, you're not actually a good match for my granddaughter. She she typed in some shit, and then and then y- you were built to be the perfect match for her. So it's like Futurama. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, we'll, but we'll it's see. like robot racism. We'll see. And and that's gonna be our. That's going to be our generation's downfall. I have downfall. thought that I've always wanted... Actually, this is a thing. I've, I do want to see a remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Robots. <laughs> that's actually something I've thought about before, and I do want to see really bad uh, James Cameron get on that. As long as it's like Brent Spiner, that, that would... Like a Brent Spiner bot? No, like I like want... Data. Like Data. No, I want like an Alan Tudyk robot. Oh, okay. Not like Data, like an like a, either like a K2SO or Sunny or one of them fucking iRobot shits. See, there you go. That could be a Star Wars anthology. It all takes place. It all takes place in real time, and it all is like, "Hey, this robot's coming home for dinner." Blue milk, a Star Wars story. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, it explore. It's just a character piece, classy, right? And it's just you know. I don't think Star Wars is the place for that, but this, I would like uh, to see th- this Tatooine farmer doesn't like robots, but here it is. Eating dinner. I just like to see, like, oh, man, mom and dad, like, my, my boyfriend's so providing, he's so great, he's funny, he's always, and, like, it's like, can't wait to meet him. And then it's just like, a, it's like a, it's like an Apple, C-3PO. shiny C-3PO robot, and he's like, hello, and, and it's just like, whoa, you know. You know what I would be doing is, since I, you know, if I was the host, and I cooked all this dinner for this guest to oh, have. Oh, yeah, it would be such a, such a wild and wacky circumstance. Dude, I would be giving that robot shit all night about hey how come you haven't touched your food there maybe oh sorry oh sorry i uh i can't process this food you know even better though if it was a robot that was a wearing like a full suit because it was like a c3b robot it's like wearing like a full suit because it's like i gotta be presentable <laughs> for your parents so i gotta be a little human and and two um it's also quite nervous it's like uh 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 yeah uh. it's been programmed to be nervous yeah or it doesn't know what what it's supposed to do, and so it acts nervous because that's just its human programming. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that would be a great movie. I'd watch the fuck out of that. <laughs> oh man, 
So yeah, I, man, movies. And I get Benedict Cumberbatch to be the robot and be like, "I'm an American robot." <laughs> I am an American robot. Yeah, I mean that basically he does have that voice already, yeah. right? The Doctor Strange voice. So or Tom Hardy, another some just slightly weird American accent robots. He yeah. He would be a, a bit like overpowering. Your though. dad is a bad guy. <laughs> Yo, dad? I can't do well, it. Your dad's an evil person. Boy, I'm, I'm sure waiting for the next trailer for that movie. I don't know if there will be one, just because I think they that trailer was a big, big smash hit, like in terms of his YouTube views and all that. Really? Yeah. People are 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 into it. People are watching it. I don't know if they're into it, but they watched it. Did you hear? Okay, so. Um, so Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be Mysterio oh, in, yeah. in, a, in a Spider-Man proper movie. Spider-Man Far From Home, they announced. Right, but now they just announced, and I don't understand what the fuck this is, but they announced another Spider-Man villain solo movie. Have you heard about this? What was it? I think I did, but I forget who it was. It's Jared Leto. Oh, fucking Mobius. As Mobius. Stop. And Morbius, sorry, Morbius. as Morbius, who is kind of like a really obscure Spider-Man he villain gonna, that no one cares about. We were talking about making him the villain of Spider-Man 4, the original Spider-Man 4, actually. Uh, see, that would have been great. Uh, well, I don't know. Dep- and then also Depending the, on who he and was. And then they cast... Um, then they were going to do the Vulture, and they actually cast they were gonna do Vulture, John yeah. Malkovich as Vulture. And then the movie fell apart because... Hi, Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm the vulture. Give the Spider-Man his money. You've seen <laughs> Rounders, right? Seen what? Rounders? No, I haven't Oh, he's seen got Rounders. such a bad, on-purpose Russian accent. Oh, in that yeah. Movie. Jeez. See, I could picture... When I think of the vulture, honestly, I think I think of more of a John Malkovich than I do uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah. But Michael Keaton was great, so... Crushing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's dumb. And they also making this movie about Silk, everyone's other favorite spider person. Silk Spider or something? Wait, or just wait, Silk? It's just another one of the fucking multiverse spider people. Okay. And they're like, Sony's just trying so hard. I don't get what they're doing. They're just trying to make their own Spider Man universe off of, like. But it's not a part of. It's not part of the Tom MCU. Tom Holland's. Tom Holland is not attached to these movies. No. I I don't understand. That's like, even if I don't know. It's just even even if Tom Holland, even if if Spider-Man: Homecoming wasn't attached to the MCU at all and it was just a standalone Spider-Man movie, I still don't want to see a bunch of spin-offs about these characters. I don't care about. Same here. And I honestly, honestly, I just it stinks of like some weird compromise. Like Venom, it, I get because Venom is sort of an anti-hero in the comics, anyways, and so like he can carry his own movie, I suppose. And but, he's like, a big enough name, I guess. But, like. Unless they make like the Morbius movie, like just a regular fucking vampire movie that happens very tenuously to be connected to the Spider-Man universe, which it won't be, I don't see the point. Right. Same thing with any like you know making a. Well, they canceled the Silver Sable movie. Oh yeah. And like yeah. I just I what I what I imagine is like Marvel and Sony are trying to come to some compromise, and then it's. I guess Sony talking themselves into thinking this is a good idea. I think I feel like after the Amazing Spider-Man two didn't do so hot that Marvel's like we're gonna make a Spider-Man movie, and you can do whatever the fuck you want, but we're taking Spider-Man. Right. And I think they were like, yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah. Because like, seems like Marvel's doing whatever they want to do with Spider-Man, and everyone else is and Sony is just kind of doing whatever they can with the rest. 
The sad thing is, and I know, I you know, maybe there's mixed opinions on this, but the I, the real tragedy, honestly, is that we'll never see a good Spider-Man versus Venom movie out of this whole weird well, maybe. thing that's I don't happening. know exactly how that will work, because maybe uh, Tom Holland might be able to be in one of the movies. Who knows? All I know is that animated movie looks pretty cool. Which one? Enter the Spider Verse. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that that one's look. That one looks really yeah, good. Yeah, I think I mentioned last episode. A certain uh, a certain Nicholas Cage might be in that movie. Right. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, it takes off. I would. I would love to see those animated movies for Spider Man. Also, just like you know, seeing a unique animated style. It's uh, yeah. a bit rare these days. A lot. Of, a lot of places tend to kind of veer towards a. Not the same style, but sort of the same kind of thing with like, you know, individual rendered strands of hair and individual and like, you know, full global illuminated lighting and like real real time cloth physics and all that fun stuff, you know, like that's part of the art style also. As opposed to sort of the Spider-Man's weird sort of comic book cell shaded animation on twos or fours, depending on the what they're doing kind of thing they're going with. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So, Mike. Yes. The Mission Impossible thon continues. Well, yes, it does. Um, now, these are movies I haven't watched recently, but I, you know, they're they're still fresh enough in my mind, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to talk about them. So, why don't we talk about so, them? So, up next is J.J. Abrams's directorial debut and the first of of three franchises that he brought back from the dead, right? Uh, which is uh, Mission Impossible Three. Now, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember Mission Impossible 3 not doing so well. I think it did good. I mean, clearly the, continue, the series continued. I remember Mission Impossible 3 was made around the time that Tom Cruise was publicly perceived as fucking crazy. Right, and then they blamed that on the movie. Uh, like, I remember, Par- I think it was Paramount that did this movie. Yeah, Paramount was like, uh, hey, we're going to drop Tom Cruise because he's the reason why this movie did bad. But apparently a Paramount. that didn't stick because they did three others now right yeah so yeah yeah so check it out so well like okay so it made its money back 134 is not awful 134 well okay so the it depends on the budget and all the that. budget is 150 million oh what's well, the worldwide gross, and then so. total domestic gross is 134 but then the worldwide gross is 397 it's not great but I think it probably made at least a little profit because of it. You know, yeah. think of budget times two is three hundred. If it made three ninety seven, it made a profit of probably ninety seven million. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm now accountant, but like that's the sort so, of the safe bet. So it probably was a mild success again, enough to get a sequel greenlit list at least. Well, it was a little while though before they made that yeah. though. Well, what was it? Four years or something? Five years. Five years. Well, it was yeah. six years between two and three, and then another five years between three and four, I suppose. Right. And then four years between four and five, and then three years between five and six. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there was a legitimately long break between two and three, just because again, two was awful and sank the fr- like uh, you know what I mean. It just sort of sank the franchise, I think, for a while, right? Mm-hmm. So three is the first of the sort of finally figured it out Mission Impossible movies, <laughs> where it's like we got a team, we're doing stuff. Like Tom Cruise is kind of like not fucking James Bond; he's just sort of like a guy. Yeah. Um, I like how they started him kind of getting married. There's a intense, I like the intense sequence they start with where it's like, uh, I'm Philip Seymour Hoffman, I'm going to kill your wife. I gave you the time of 10. And it's like a whole kind of, it's a cool little cold open that kind of is a little problematic in that like it's one of those things where it's like, 
if we know what the movie's going to lead up to, it kind of cuts the feet underneath from the legs from underneath the movie at times because it's like, well, we're just waiting to get to that point. Right. Um, but I think it's a, it's also, but it's still an effective scene. So it shows Tom Cruise's actual good acting ability because he is a good actor. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of the, it's pretty, pretty, pretty good villain. Yeah. I think these movies have a villain problem. I, I'd say these movies do have a villain problem, but I, but I think the third one has the strongest villain. Um, I don't remember the villain of five, but I think the third one does the strongest villain. But even then, he's not amazing. Like he doesn't reach he, the same levels. It's like even like, so this is what even like you know, so like any uh, for most like not most, but like uh, the best James Bond villains. Like you sure, know. yeah. Well, because they're not like um, like in Mission Impossible, I've noticed. Except for the second one, they're not like novel. They're not like novel villains. They're not like uh, cartoon villains. You know what I mean? And like James Bond movies, I feel they make them sort of mustache twirling, kind of, uh, kind of like, hey, this villain has this quirk. This villain has that quirk. I guess they they're missing their quirks, but I think they're still a little cartoony in that they kind of just are very. They're not really fleshed out characters. They're very sort of. They don't have much. You both a don't have much screen time and b don't have much sort of dimensionality to them that they can be like I'm a human being. They're always like I want all the money in the world. I'm yeah. gonna do this and that's it. Yeah. Um, the fourth one we'll get to that, but like that villain's not great. Um, but like <laughs> at least uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's got a lot of he's got a, like you know he's a naturally you just want to like watch him act. He's, he's got he's a lot charismatic. of kind of scary yeah. in this movie. He just feels like a very threatening person. And you get that right away, like in the opening sequence when I when Ethan Hunt I is like capturing him or or arresting him or whatever he's doing. Like one of the first things I remember standing out to me was like um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's just like, "Who are you? What's your name? Who are yeah, you?" Yeah, and they capture him. Is like they're like he's like trying to explain things and all the things. It's just like, "Yeah, what's your name? What's I wanna, your name? I want to know who you are. What's your name? Who are you? Like, you got oh, a girlfriend? This is like, scary. you got a wife? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh shit, this guy's like." Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. Scary guy. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think it's got a cool start where it's like, I'm out of the field. I'm just a normal guy doing normal life stuff. And then uh, right. here comes uh, Billy Crudup's, you know, he's like, oh, sorry, I'm ruining your life. Got to do a mission. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's good to have Ving Rhames back in the field and stuff. And, like, the team in this movie is better than the team in the last movie for sure. But they're still pretty <laughs> bad because um, you have... Some Irish guy whose name I can't remember right now, mm-hmm. and then Maggie Q, and neither of them are characters. Oh. Um, I think they uh, there's a part where they try really hard to make them characters. Where like in the middle of the movie, Tom Cruise is doing an off camera heist where he's stealing the rabbit's foot from some Chinese building, uh-huh. and then they're like waiting on him, and it's like it's a cool. I, I I think it's fine because like you know the movie's got enough stuff going on that you can kind of have like a little breather heist. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like she's like making like a silent prayer for him. And the guy's like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "I'm praying." It's like, "Oh, would you teach me that?" And then the movie just c- continues, and like Tom Cruise breaks out a window, and the movie continues. It's like, "Okay, <laughs> why? Why are we doing this?" Like, right. it doesn't add anything to anybody. It doesn't give anyone characters, and those characters walk out of the movie in like two minutes, anyways. Well, and that is something. Um, I think up until, I mean, I don't know who the team is in six, but that is something within uh, all of these movies that I've noticed is sort of. Outside of Ving Rhames and uh, Simon Pegg, mm. like, 
I don't know. Like, no one sticks around and no one really sticks out. You yeah, know? Simon Pegg was like also barely in Mission Impossible 3. He was just sort of a background side character, which surprised me. I was like, I thought, like, I, I, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. He was not even in it. He's just like, he's a little nerdy scientist who, like, they help out, they, like, helps him out, like, in one scene. Well, this and, like, was sort of like before the whole Simon Pegasons. Yeah, this it? was like two, uh, two years after Shaun of the Dead. So this was like just, yeah. just when Simon Pegg was kind of kicking around and could become big. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Two years after. Okay. Interesting, man. That's it's just crazy to think that uh, Shaun of the Dead came out what in two thousand four. Yeah, that's nuts. This is one year before Hot Fuzz, also. Right. Um, I don't know those, what? Oh, I was just saying. Then after Hot Fuzz, I think Simon Pegg was just like everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. He's in the whole Star War. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, Star, Star Trek. Trek and all them Star right. movies. Uh, he's a star. He is. He's warzen and he's he's trekking, he's fighting the war for movies, and he's a star. And he's in Paul, which I don't like. Oh Giving him big yeah, thumb sideways. That movie was kind of you know the the bummer about that movie Paul was like it was him and Nick Frost, and I think it was advertised as being like, oh hey, a Simon Pegg and Nick Frost joint, you know. Mm-hmm. But what really made those like the, um, I mean Edgar Wright was what made. Though that pairing works so well, that pairing works well because they're friends in real life. Well, that they're friends in real life, but like I feel like they didn't really have like the chemistry didn't really work in Paul. I think Paul didn't work because Paul was the kind of movie that reminded me of the movies I would try to write in college, where it was like, look at all these fun references I'm making. Yeah, and like the whole like Sigourney Weaver is the main villain because get it, she's been an alien. That happens way too often nowadays. Yeah, I mean, like I like Sigourney Weaver, but I think she's kind of cast as villains because. In sci-fi movies, way too often, yeah. Like Elise, not Elysium, uh, Chappie. And she's not really the villain, but she's in that because of that. And um, oh, what was the other one? Uh, Kevin the Woods and oh, it's always right. like, hey, get it, yeah. Scorny Weaver, always some sort of business lady. Fanfare, it's a uh, fan service. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then also, Paul got a little preachy at times for some reason. Really, I don't remember that. Oh, it got like a real atheist preachy. Oh, huh. I was like, this is weird. Now, Paul, was that the one with uh, Kristen Wiig? Was she in there? Yeah. Okay. Like, she sees an alien, like, because the whole thing is, like, she's, like, a devout Christian, then sees an alien, and, like, she becomes really undevout. Oh, and it's like a whole okay. Thing. It's like, this doesn't have place in this movie. Yeah, that's not too fun. I don't know. And then and then Paul was voice acted by uh, Seth Rogen, right? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Um... So, Mission Impossible 3 has some pretty good action. I like J.D. Abrams' style a lot. He does have a bit of bayhem to him, uh-huh. where, even in like his Star Wars movies and his Star Trek movies, where he won't slow the fuck down. Oh. Um, which I keep, I hope he eventually will f- sort of stop, because everything is at, at 11. I wish he'd turn the dial back to like 8 sometimes. He doesn't take, he doesn't really take moments, huh? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes he does, but usually his moments are like short and far between. Mm-hmm. But because um, like one of the things about episode seven, which I really I enjoy episode seven a lot, but even then, like there's very few just like you know hanging out in the woods and talking about our feelings that like even like most of the Star Wars have. It's true, yeah. No, I um, and even I think when he was trying to have moments like that, like when he was trying to have scenes like those, I think he didn't really do it 
too well. Yeah, like well, know? in like episode seven, for example, I think like those scenes are like the part where like they they finally see the map and like Hanso is like, yeah, Luke left and now I can't find him and stuff, and then like, all right, back to it. Yeah, and like, then I I remember a scene where it's yeah, it's like Han Solo, Finn, Ray, and then they, they meet up with the orange alien, and like they're sitting around a table. Mm-hmm. And like it was just like you know it was just a very dialogue heavy like you know exposition heavy kind of scene, but I just remember it being very like static and like it was very like because there was no explosions or no like well, anything it was just like very like it just I don't mind that it's probably that's actually what you kind of want but I think it's more just like it's just like it like the instead of the action being the connected tissues between drama it's the drama's connected tissue between action yeah, which can yeah. work but like even then like it depends like it takes you just don't want things to be too exhausting i think right i think star trek into darkness is exhausting i think oh episode seven isn't and i think so that's good in that respect i think episode yeah. seven you know is a little frenetic but not too frenetic thankfully but like in star trek into darkness like at like you know half an hour before the end of that movie i was like i'm i gotta take a nap this like movie is not stopped in two hours. I cannot. I haven't caught a breath. I'm tired. Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, yeah, that had a lot of problems. I think the first Star Trek works because it's a slow buildup. Because it's like I'm on a farm. Now I'm in space. Tra- space, well, space stuff. And, and then you you also have the whole thing of like, oh, you get to see the team come together, and yeah. you get to, you know. One of the problems I have with uh, the first Star Trek movie is it's just very like front loaded. Like all the interesting stuff is in 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 the beginning of the or like first half of the movie, right? You get you're seeing the team come together and all that, and that yeah, that was all fun and everything. But then when it gets to just the parts where they now they're you know now they're interacting more with this villain, uh, I don't even remember his name, um, you know, and then it ends with some fight scene or whatever. It just felt like very kind of like, okay, so the whole movie is leading up to this, like mm-hmm. just like a fight scene with this main villain. And then yeah. they say, and then I don't know. And then into darkness, I thought it was just all over the place. Like that, that's a movie that couldn't decide what it wanted to be. Yeah. That was, I think I was like, that's also a lot of the writers sort of, you know, just kind of resting on their laurels, just kind of repeating what they did with the last Star Trek mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff and trying too hard to please the fans. Well, especially Khan. I don't know, like, like Khan in that movie, what was Khan's motivation in that it's movie? A, it's a whole, it was it's just mess. like all over the place. Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, I just hope episode nine that JJ just sort of takes. I wish episode nine. I would just hope. I hope it's like a like episode eight and episode seven. They smush them together because mm-hmm. like I like like the slow moments of episode eight and the character drama of episode eight with the razzle dazzle swashbuckling episode seven, you know, and then also uh, just a good story. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. What do you What are your thoughts on Super Eight? Yeah. I just kind of like it's okay. Like I like the kids, and the kids have good interaction with each other, and everything's fun. I just don't like the alien design. I'm not a fan of, and the alien kills a bunch of people, and then everyone's like, "Oh, that sweet alien!" So like, the alien like murdered like ten people. Like I know it was mistreated by the government, or whatever, but you still killed your your local friends and family. Well, it's strange because Super Eight is sort of like this weird abridged version of Stranger Things. In a lot of ways, well, yeah, like eighties kids discovering monsters. Living in a small town, that sort of thing. But like Stranger Things does it way better. But it's interesting to go back to Super Eight now. I haven't watched it recently, of course, but it's interesting to think back to Super Eight now and sort of see this thing that at the time was 
more or less like a success, I think. It was, you know, it was, it was at least noticed. But if you're to look back at it now, you'd just be like, well, I'd rather watch Stranger Things than yeah. this. You know, this is like uh, a less good version of Stranger Things. Yeah, it's fine. I don't think it's bad or nothing. Yeah. Um, that was back when J.J. Abrams didn't know how to end a movie. <laughs> I mean, like, the, the alien leaves, that's the end of it. Well, yeah, but it's sort of just, it, there's no follow up with like the characters. It like, it, you know, that, what it's, I mean? it's a very close encounters ending where it's like the spaceship goes away and that's it. Right. But that's the thing is like I would have preferred. Or E.T. E.T. does the exact same thing. Where E.T. Well, leaves sure. and all the characters are like, well, and then it goes, da 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 <laughs> That's all, folks. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, God, you know, I'm trying, to th- I'm trying to think back to everything that J.J. Abrams has done because that was. I think it was just, I think it's, I mean, in terms of the movies he's directed, it's Mission Impossible, the two Star Trek, Star Wars, and Super 8. Okay, because I remember that used to be a criticism I had of him. And he's produced a lot of shit, and he also directed, I think he directed like the pilot of Lost and a bunch of shit. Yeah, yeah. Lost was uh, Lost was the first time I had heard about and him. And he was a writer before that. Didn't he do like Fringe or one of them shows? Fringe, uh, well, Felicity. That's Alias, I think it was the one. Oh, Alias, okay. Um, Mission Impossible 3... Okay, so then he did some TV stuff. Then Star Trek, and Star Trek, some other stuff. Okay, yeah. Okay, interesting. So in the grand scheme of things, his directing has really only been Mission Impossible three. Yeah, Star like Trek, Star Wars, and Super Eight. And then Super Eight, and then Star Trek in the Darkness, and then Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and then Star Wars Episode Nine. Huh. My predict on this podcast, you hear it first, Star Wars Episode Nine, Knights of Ren. It's going to be called the Knights of Ren. Uh, my bold prediction. I know that he's going to want to do stuff with Knights of Ren. Well, right? yeah, he was gunning for that. Like when he was, I remember seeing stuff. It's like, what do you want to see in a spin, in, in a like a in a spinoff? Like, I'd like to see the Knights of Ren. So clearly, I'll, I, I assume he'll try and involve that. And if he doesn't, that's kind of bullshit because you can't just drop that. And you leave can't it. just drop that. Yeah. yeah. Come on, man. I mean, like, that's the one of the few loose threads that you got to pick up. It wouldn't surprise me if they did drop it, and that would be disappointing, but I I don't see it. I have a feeling that eventually, in five years' time, there's going to be, uh, you know, because well, there's like that, there's a new Dave Filoni anime TV show, and there's also um, uh, John Favreau's live-action TV show, which are both going to be post-Return of the Jedi, oh, uh, pre-set yeah. episode seven. I have a feeling with these shows and maybe whatever other shows that eventually... They're gonna kind of act like the Clone Wars glue that kind of, uh, right, for lack yeah. of a better word, like I don't have a problem with the sequel trilogy, but some people do, and I feel like these things are eventually going to fix, quote unquote, the sequel trilogy by adding context oh. and like smoothing out the rough edges in the ways that the Clone Wars, the animated show, fixed the prequel trilogy by putting a lot of band aids over a lot of questions and answering a lot of things and like you know, so what are figuring s- out relationships and stuff? Okay, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that. Like see the so far the sequel trilogy I I don't have very like I don't have very many questions about like I, I guess what I mean is like questions in terms of stuff that the series has like accidentally not addressed you know what I mean well, like I feel like everything is there and it I sort think of makes the stuff, sense it's like like much like the Clone Wars it's like 
how did we get here exactly? Right, yeah. Where the Clone Wars, the TV show, kind of examines the state of the universe or the galaxy at the time and sort of does a good job explaining who's what and what's what. What are the separatists exactly? Why they feel the way they do? No, Who the yeah. fuck is Sifo-Dyas? It's really important. Um, that kind of shit. <laughs> You know, yeah. and like I feel like eventually there'll be TV shows that explain like why did the the New Republic go to shit? Where did the First Order exactly come from? Who's Snoke? All that shit that doesn't really matter in, so far in the in the in the kind of narrative that they're telling these sequel trilogy, but like is still very important and does need answers eventually. And I feel well, it's once like, that stuff comes out, people like in five years, ten years, when the kids who grew up with this stuff will uh-huh. be like, man, the sequel trilogy is really underrated or whatever. In the same way that the prequel trilogy is treated now, it's a cycle, man. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And then there'll yeah. be funny, funny memes, and everyone will love Star Wars again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so Mission Impossible Three is some good stuff. It's like it's like an all right movie. Like it's like I put it on the same level as the first. It's not bad. It's not great. Just kind of it's just like a breezy fun time. I suppose I wouldn't watch it again yeah. anytime soon. Really? But, okay. But like I wouldn't say like I wouldn't say don't watch it. Like I I think I mentioned like the first Mission Impossible you should watch if you are interested in like the series. But if you just want to get like the Mission Possible experience, just start with three and go from there. Because it, it kind yeah. of figures yeah. out the tone that they kind of go for, and every subsequent Mission Impossible kind of sticks with that tone, the sort of, you know, blockbuster fun. It feels like a modern movie, which the other ones don't. Right, yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense. And then Mission Impossible 4, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, uh, might be the best one so far. I mean, I, haven't okay. seen, I still haven't seen five again, but four is goddamn great. It's yeah, I mean, four is I like it. Four is right up there with me, too. Um, that's a Brad Bird joint, it's Brad Bird's directorial live action debut. And bird, 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 bird. <laughs> exactly. Um, that movie's just it just knows what it's doing, like everything yeah. about it. It's just it's just it has also the I think it's I mean, we'll see about Mission Impossible five and six. Six. Um, I mean, like five because I've been seeing oh, it in a right. while. Yeah, but like the writing in four is so strong. It's I don't a know very concise it's, movie. Yeah, if it's Brad Bird helping with the script or the screenwriters of this one who I don't remember and don't know. Um, could didn't recognize if they're just like good at their jobs because this movie has a great sense of knowing how to challenge the protagonists. Uh, first of all, it, the team actually feel like real characters now because uh-huh. you have Simon Pegg in 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 the in the driver's seat. Yeah, and then you have. Um, Paula Patton, and she feels like a real character with, like, you know, actual emotion and shit. Uh-huh. Um, and then Jeremy Renner's really great, too. And, like, all four of them together are this really nice little little unit they got going on. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like, the it's, like, for one, two examples. For, like, one example, it's, like, oh, we have to go to this train car and scan our eyes and get into the secret train car, but the car starts moving. Oh, no. It's, like, little things like that where they just keep piling on stuff. And yeah. It's, like... Oh no! Now you gotta scan your eyes in this moving car. Like they keep like adding things. And the second, which is the the Dubai sequence, which is one of the best action sequences I've ever seen. I think I'm gonna say it now. Right. Um, because every step of that, they keep making things harder. It's like okay, we're gonna do this already kind of complicated thing where we're gonna have we're gonna pretend to be two different people and we're gonna make these two different parties feel like they're having a meeting together, even though they're meeting on two different floors with us. And then. It's like, oopsie-daisy, we can't access the server room, we have to do it outside the building, and Tom Cruise has these special gloves, and then one of the gloves breaks, 
And then Tom Cruise has to break the glass, and he has to do it with one glove, and then he can't get back down, so he said jump down. And then the mask machine breaks, and they have to pretend that themselves and just hope that they haven't seen things. And like all these other things, things that the the stakes keep getting stacked and stacked and stacked, and it's just awesome. Oh, and there's like a there's like a sandstorm coming too this whole time. Oh yeah, and it's just this tension is wrapped like it's just everything is just like keeps on building up each other until like the sequence is over. And the, that's like one of several times in that movie it does that. It's so well done. Darn, I need to. Okay, yeah, I I guess I just need to watch watch these again. Just you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm having a good time. For anybody who doesn't know, I rewatched Mission Impossible too, and we talked about it uh, last episode. So. Oh boy. Check that out. No, don't. Or st- no, check out the episode. Don't check out Mission Impossible. No, too. no. Mi two, Mi two is a stinker. Mm-hmm. But hey, that soundtrack, you know, no. Limp Biscuit, Metallica at its worst. Uh, <laughs> Apartment 26? No one knows those guys. What are the pimps? I don't even know what you're talking about. This is all the people This is all the people that had a song on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. Uh, Chris Cornell had a song on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, and that's how I found out who Chris Cornell was. And then he did the Casino Royale scene, which is much, much better. Yeah, that. but that's how I found out who Soundgarden was, and that's a great band. It's a garden of sounds. Yeah. So yeah, Mission Impossible 4... Um, also, there's a lot of clever things, and there's like that really fun heist in the in the Kremlin, and like just some clever like little just filmmaking things. The one thing that the whole series though is started to, is a starting to bother me with though right now is their lack of consistency with the leadership. In that <laughs> every single Mission Impossible up to this one has had a different head of the IMF, or yeah. at least a different like figurehead. So you have some rando guy. In the first one, Anthony Hopkins in the second one, Lawrence Fishman in the third one, and uh, Tom Wilkinson, uncredited Tom Wilkinson in the fourth one. Really? Yeah, the, late, the great, not the late great, the great, he, he died to Michael Clayton, so I, I, I feel, I, it's, but Michael. That's always when I think of him, I think of Michael Clayton, so I'm always like the late great Tom Wilkinson. He's hey guys, if you haven't heard that mono, the Tom Wilkinson monologue and Michael Clayton, turn that shit what up. What is Tom Wilkinson? What has he been up to? nothing unfortunately he's great anyways yeah. but like he's in this one and then like spoiler alert he gets he gets he shows up and he gets killed and i remember when i saw it in theaters like oh no is that like a character from the other ones no he's just a rant it's like a one-off guy no. it's like i feel like if they did the thing that like you know movies nowadays do with their consistency like we're gonna have like a character that recurs over and over throughout a few movies and then gets killed it's like an oh shit moment you know because uh-huh. in this next one, it's uh, Al- uh, Alec Baldwin, and then it's Alec right. Baldwin again. It's like so every movie except for the now five and six has this completely different cast of like you know the heads of the IMF or whoever they're Tom Cruise's bosses. Yeah, and it's very very uh, I guess annoying. I guess is the word I'd use, but like it's more just like it'd be Maybe. nice. It'd be nice that when. Like, the character dies, like, Tom Wilkinson gets shot in the head, and it's, like, a big, like, oh, no, but, like, it'd be even more oh, no if it was, like, Lawrence Fishburne or Anthony Hopkins, and they were in multiple movies. Well, here's the thing. Maybe it's just one dude, and he's just putting on those masks. You know what I mean? He's just putting on a mask every every movie. Could be. So it's all the same guy. Oh, and also, in Mission Impossible 3, Lawrence Fishburne has some really heavily written dialogue where, like, his words, he's, like, was one that's, like, uh... I will bleed on the flag to make sure those stripes stay red or something like that. Like real movie dialogue. <laughs> like he's got like everyone else kind of sounds more or less normal, but he's got some real movie dialogue going on. You know, Lawrence, which, I, which is fine, and he delivers it fine. It's just kind of it. Just, it makes me chuckle. Like, yeah, that's lit, that that's a that's a line that no person would say. Right. 
He's an American treasure, though, that guy. Oh, of course. Man, uh, he's going to be an Ant-Man in the Wasp. He snuck his way onto Apocalypse Now. As uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, lied, yeah. I guess lied his way onto Apocalypse It's now. crazy. I didn't know that was him. Yeah. Um, Mr. Clean. He's going to be Goli- or Goliath? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be Goliath in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. For anybody that doesn't know who Goliath is, it's this guy that turns really big. And uh, he was killed in in Marvel's Civil War, the comic. Not anymore. He was the only casualty in the Civil War. The only actual, everyone else came back from the dead or what? No one else died. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah. What about, weren't there a bunch of like C-list heroes that got like exploded or something in the beginning? Oh, well, yeah, there was that. Yeah. Yeah, but. Like the Justice Society or something? It, what it was is like a reality show kind of thing where it's like, oh, we're following these this team of superheroes going in to fight a villain. And then the villain was like, uh, hey, guys, actually, fuck you. And then he just blew up and then <laughs> killed everybody. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think we mentioned this. I think we talked about it, but now it's official. So uh, we're one step closer to getting that Doctor oh, Doom yes. in the MCU. Am I right? Uh, yeah. Like, I, I don't give a fuck about Fantastic Four or X-Men well, hold, hold or whatever. Up. But Doctor Doom as the villain of Avengers 6 or something, that's what I want to see. The official announcement uh-huh. was first we heard that Disney bought Fox mm-hmm. over Comcast. Yeah. And then now the courts have just ruled that, hey, guys, it's legal for Disney to have Fox uh, except for, like, their sports stuff I, or something. I don't know. Something about sports. But you know, yeah, the sports networks and news networks are still remaining there, right? But uh, no, it's it's official now. Disney owns Fox now. I think Comcast has still, as of the this recording, a few more days to counter offer if they want. Really? Yeah, I think I read that, but I don't know if they can. I, heard the, I don't I heard think. The, I think the Comcast sealed. I think I think it's sealed, but like it's still like you know not like I think the hands are shaking, but it's like okay, we're going to go with this. But Comcast, if you wanna, you mm-hmm. can't. You know, it's like how business works. Gotcha. And I don't think I think. If I read this correctly, Comcast literally can't, uh, doesn't have any more money to 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 bid. To bid I think good. And it, you know, honestly, there has to be, okay. So in these kinds of deals, right? Do you think there is some sort of like self awareness that Fox has, being like, well, all right, we stand to make a ton of money off of uh, this Disney deal, but more so, like, we know that the public wants this. So we want to be the company that gives them that. Probably do you not. Think there, do you think there's something like that there? The, the, do you think there's maybe some deal to be made where it's like, hey, listen, guys, like we could make a movie now with X-Men I mean, Disney wants and, that. I don't... and Avengers, and we'll give you this amount of money if, if we make this movie or something, some sort of like royalty or something. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, well, Fox or uh, whatever Fox's parent company is i don't think they give a fuck about that i think they want money because they're selling right and uh they're gonna put all that money into fox news and that's not good but oh, yeah uh, but you know that's the way that's the way it goes eh? so alex what are uh what are some uh marvel movies you'd like to see now that it's sort of kind of well, under all I'd under like one to umbrella see another good batman movie i'd like to see another good <laughs> superman movie uh, I'd like to see good, good Green Lantern. I'm talking movie. Marvel movies, man. I don't care about Marvel, man. You don't care about Marvel. I love Marvel movies, and like I like Marvel heroes, but I want to see fucking good DC shit. God oh, damn it! Oh yeah, 
Like, you know, Marvel's doing fine. And I don't have any, like, I don't care. Like, for sure, Squirrel Girl, I don't, whatever else. Yeah, I don't care. Honestly, I wish DC would do something. Like I said, I want to see Doctor Doom as a villain. I want to see Doctor Doom as a villain done right. And that's all I care about, really. I want to see Galactus. Oh, and Galactus, yeah. Um, I think Fantastic Four done the right way could actually be a really interesting movie. If you were to make Reed Richards kind of like a nihilistic, uh, well, not nihilistic, but like, uh, you know, like, uh, like Sh- kind of like uh, Sherlock in that show, Sherlock, where he's just an asshole. Right. Or like House or from House. the show House, yeah. where he's like a genius, but he's just a piece of shit. Hugh Laurie's also. a little old. Who would you cast as Dr. Fantastic? Mr. Fantastic? Yeah. Um, he's not. I mean, he is a doctor, but. It needs, it needs, I think just the most important thing is it would just need to be someone that has that kind of grim. Well, you know what actually be pretty phase. good? Who? Matt Smith. Yeah. I could picture that. He's got a weird Dr. Fantastic. I and he's, I think Fantastic. he's like in the right age range yeah, now. Yeah, I he think could... he gave him a little gray, make him a little bit of a gray fox. I think he pulled off. Yeah. Um, I'll see if his American accent, though. As far he... as like uh, uh, or, Susan Richards, I don't know. Because um, they try to get him to be uh, Star-Lord. You get uh, Dennis Reynolds, uh, what's his <laughs> face, right? Yeah. <laughs> He, Glenn Howerton? Yeah, Glenn Howerton. He auditioned for Star-Lord and then get, get him to be uh, Mr. Fantastic. Oh, my God. That'd be funny. He's really gaunt and lanky. He can stretch all over the place. I... I'd like to see it. And it then you get <laughs> you get the entire Sunny Gang to be all of the Fantastic Four. You get Charlie Day to be Ben Grimm. You get... Uh, <laughs> I'm the thing! You get Mac to be uh, the Human Torch. And you get uh, uh, Dee to be the Invisible Woman. There you go. That... And then Danny DeVito is Dr. Doom. <laughs> Danny DeVito is the voice of the thing. Um in all in all seriousness, I mean that'd be that'd be horrifying. That would be awful, but, but in a great way. But I am coming back to this Glenn Howerton as as Reed Richards thing, and it's it 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 actually is not a bad idea. I could picture that. Yeah, but but he would that. have to play it straight. He can't be like, you know No, he's an actual actor though. I think fucking manic, crazy. He was in Dennis a, like, you know, he's been in actual movies. He was in Serenity as an as an extra. Oh yeah. He was in The Strangers. You ever see The Strangers? No. He was he was in that. Uh it was kind of funny because he gets murdered brutally and he, it's like there's Dennis Reynolds. He got shot in the head in Serenity. Oh. He's in the opening scene where they rob the bank, and then the Reavers come, and he's like, take me with you, and, and then uh, Nathan Fielding just shoots him in the head, and it's like, oh, I did wow. him a favor. Oh, shit. Okay. Because then the Reavers won't eat him. It is funny seeing them in work previous to Always Sunny. Yeah, well, it's the same with lots of famous actors. Uh, Caitlin Olsen was in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Mac was in a random episode of Lost. Oh, really? He's directing, was he still directing that Minecraft movie? Is he doing that? Really? He was for a long time. I oh, don't know anything. He might have gone down the pits because no one cares. Um, he's directing some TV show now with Rooster Teeth, huh? The uh, internet company. Yeah. Well, good for him. I know. I know. There's a new season that of Always Sunny coming out at the end of this year. Yeah, and Glenn Howerton's in it because there was something, some sort of question as to whether he was coming back. Well, okay. So is that like all stunt stuff though? Like, is that like a like a what do you call it? Here's them, the thing, uh, Glenn Howerton, What his what his response has always been is he's like, guys, I'm not even trying to be coy or like, you know, mischievous or, or you know, I'm not trying to do this for publicity or whatever. Like, I literally don't know if Dennis is coming back to Always Sunny, right? 
And then the interviewer in a in some interview I saw was like, "Well, like, are you Glenn Howerton still attached to the show?" And then he's like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> like he's probably writing and producing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So you know, either way, it's not Glenn Howerton leaving the show. Yeah. It's basically them being like, well, what should we do with Dennis? So, Man, I haven't seen that show in like eight years. What? I, wa- I, I The last episode of that show I watched was the, 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 what was it? I think it was like a, well, it was the one where they go to Jersey, I think. Oh, okay. That was like season seven. Yeah, that was later on. I watched like, I watched pretty much from like season three onto that. Uh-huh. And then uh, I think it was that, and I watched after that. I watched the ep- like I think it was like that, and then the episode there was like some sort of a beauty, like Kitty Beauty Pageant or something. That was also. Season and then I'm seven. like Frank's th- Little Beauties. Yeah, and at that point I'm like, you know, I think I've kind of gotten the gist of this show, and I kind of walked away. Oh, you're missing. I've heard it gets you're... better. I just like those th- are good episodes, though. No, I found it to be the like, rum ham. It got a little too gross out for me, though. Even though those are good, is that the episode with the boat description where they go to Jersey with a boat? What? Uh, it's all about the implication. No, no, that's a different episode. Uh, was that earlier than that? Uh, I think that's a season. Because I think it's I've either se- season seven or season. That's around that. I've seen that episode. That's okay. a great conversation. Oh yeah, the implication. There's yeah, a, the yeah. the context for people at home. It's uh, it's like yeah, we get on, we get these ladies in a boat, and then they'll have to sleep with us because of the implication. <laughs> and then there's a whole exchange like, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, and then the two of them go to a uh, some other yacht party, but it's like these like kind of cringe like grungy looking uh, pirate yacht people, mm-hmm. and then they go out into the ocean, and then that's when one of them says like. Hey guys, are you having fun? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get crazy out here. Yeah, things are gonna go, gonna <laughs> things are gonna get real wild, you guys. And then the two of them are like, "Oh shit, are they gonna like take advantage of us because of the implication?" Anyways, good episode, good show. Um, it is a good show. I don't know. Maybe I think it's just yet. Yeah, you know, I same thing happened with Archer. It's just like I kind of get when the sometimes I just get the gist of a show. I can't. And it's hard get, to keep up with it when I kind of feel like i've sort of don't have i feel like they're out of surprises yeah and even though like the, the comedy's still good it's sort of just like well you know now they just kind of like just spin their wheels and i don't I, you know it's, i'm sure it's good but i do anything. you know i'll be completely honest i have never been able to get into that show archer i don't know why I like, maybe it's the art style or something i i just there's something about it i can't get into it stiff. i like the writing it's written by just one guy apparently <laughs> oh really yeah um i like the i mean like again like by the time it got to a point, I think I stopped when they literally, when the they ran out of ideas and they had to start doing like spinoff shows. Oh. Because they like Archer, like his whole spy thing network gets blown up and he has to become a drug dealer at one uh, for one season. And at that point, like I, I started watching and it wasn't like bad. I just kind of like, you know, it's like, it's a new, like the environment's different, but I'm still watching the same show and the jokes are all kind of the same. And I just kind of like missed an episode and they missed two episodes and then I just never came back. You know how that happens? Yeah. Like, oh man, I'm one episode behind. Oh man, I'm yeah. two episodes behind. I gotta get caught up. And then, like, by the time you get four or five, it becomes not worth it, and then you just drop it. That's uh, that happened to me with a lot of shows when I moved out of my parents' place because you know you go from having cable to being a college student that more than likely doesn't have cable. Uh-huh. So like, uh, at the time, I think it was like Lost, um, How I Met Your Mother, which I don't regret not keeping up with. Um, 
I don't know. There's a, there's a few of those, but yeah, I just fell right the fuck off with mm. like a lot of shows. I almost I feel like I was this close to getting that way with like Game of Thrones during that the season five, which was one of their slow the slow season. It was the worst. It season was the worst five se- was the, the worst. worst season. Yeah, I mean, like I like got an episode behind, and I think I may maybe almost got two episodes behind. I'm like, if I don't watch an episode like right the fuck now, I'm never gonna catch up because <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be like oh, fuck it, you know. But Thankfully, I, I did because season six was great, and season seven is. I liked better than season five. Season six, I thought was great. Season seven, I thought was less great, but still good. Yeah, I think people love season four for some reason. I never was able to get into season four. No. I feel once the Red Wedding happens. because Joffrey dies in season four. Well, but... there's that, but I think once the red, that happens and once the Purple Wedding happens and the Red Wedding happens, like I the there's the central thrust sort of disappears until season six. Totally. No, I, I like the... the, the uh... Everything after Joffrey's death in, death in season four is just slow and boring. It's a lot of like, yeah, just sort of like characters are going places and doing stuff. But like there's no war. There's no like big, the the ticking clock is gone until it comes yeah. back in season six. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's the, the whole like White Walker's ticking clock and all that stuff. And, you know, that stuff happens. Occasionally it was brought up like there's that, was it Hardhome? That one great episode in season five where they go to the, the north and beyond the wall and all the White Walkers show up. It does uh you're gonna have to remind me. I mean that happens. Like they a go lot. like Jon Snow goes to like like, hey guys, why don't you come fight with us? Cause what's oh. up? And then all the White Walkers show up and like turn everyone to zombies and there's that awesome shot where they leave right. on the boats and like everyone's zombies. And then the king is like, Come at me, bro. Well, yeah. I think that was season five. That's yeah. season five, yeah. I know it is season five. Yeah, that like, was like the only good episode. Like that's like one of those episodes that's like when like the the kind of the big plot kicks back in, and you're like, Oh fuck yeah. And then it drops down again. Right, yeah. But now it's coming back almost, the big plot's coming back almost too much, but we'll see. It's six episodes, everyone's gonna die, can't wait, 2019. Six episodes and I think an hour and a half long each Ooh. or something? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Do you hear about the, like, they're doing, like, secret scripts that, like, once the scene's over, like, the the ADs will take all the scripts and, like, burn them? Oh, really? Like, they're being, like, super coy about it. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, nowadays, man, you can't let any of that shit. Amelia Clark like just finished filming. Like, can you imagine? It must be hard to be like this is like the role that makes you a famous actress, right? Mm-hmm. That puts you in the limelight. It's like, well, I'm done with this now. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like, if I was an actor, I'd be like, oh shit, what if, what if this is it? What if I'm done after this? Like, you know, she wasn't. I think she was great in that Star Wars movie. I think it played to her strengths very well. But uh, she's fine. I, I I wasn't a huge fan. I think she's a good at certain kinds of characters, and I think that Kira in 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 Solo was like the best version of the kind of character she's good at playing. I thought she was really great as that character. Uh, yeah, like she's not a good Sarah Connor, but she's oh, like God. she's good at this kind of like more subtle character. I think more like I think there's plenty of roles that she's she's great in. Yeah, uh, just, I don't think she does when she's thrust into a role of like like season one Daenerys. I think she kills that. I think she's amazing in season one. Uh-huh. And then like I can see like people when she gets like, her big rousing speeches and stuff, it's a little less convincing. I think when she plays the quote unquote strong female character type, it's a little hard to because she's right because she's like a tiny person and also because soft spoken, soft spoken that kind yeah. of stuff. But like when she plays like the more sort of soft-spoken femme fatale type, I think she really can really kill it. Or just, like, the soft-spoken mousy type in general. She's got a type, and I think when she... Like, much like Keanu Reeves, when she can play that type, she really nails it. Or, like, a Kristen Stewart type. You know, they have types of characters that they're really good at. Kristen Stewart? Yeah. 
does she's, she? Act? She's a great actress at certain types of roles. Like what? Well, uh, <laughs> like kind of like like soft spoken burnout types. I, I mean, like, like movies, like, a, like movie Adventureland. Wise. She's really good oh, at Adventureland. Okay. I heard she's amazing in Personal Shopper, which I haven't seen. Oh, never heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can't really, like, you know, you can't really rag on her for the Twilight movies. I think movies, she'll win an Oscar those... one of these days. She just needs Who, the right... Kristen Stewart? Oh, absolutely. Really? I think she will. She just needs that, like, role that gets the limelight. I think, like, she's okay. gotten a lot of... She's gotten a lot of praise in indie films for the last few years. That's good. But I think she just needs that, like, uh... I'm trying to think of some equivalent, like a, like a whiplash situation, you know, where, like, you got J.K. Oh, yeah. Simmons constantly putting out good work, and then finally he's got his time to shine. Yeah. I think like Robert Pattinson is sort of he like uh, similar. He's I similar. think with him, like I think he's he's gone back into like indie films. Well, yeah, like last year he had the Lost City of Zed, where he plays just a normal dude, and he had a Good Time, which is a great movie. Yeah, I've been wanting where, to see uh, that. Robert Pattinson ruins people's lives. You know what I was curious about is the Rover. You ever see the Rover? Is that it's not about Mars? This is, is him and Guy Pierce. I've heard about it. You know, you know what I'm talking about, though. I've, it's like yeah. uh, I think it's post-apocalypse. Yeah, I, wonder, I don't know. I was curious about that. I wonder. Yeah, I, it. I should check it out, but we'll see. Yeah, it's funny. I um, I forget if I've s- told this story on here. Probably, but there's a comic shop that I go to, and and the people working there told me about how he went in there one time. Robert Pattinson or Guy yeah, Pierce? Robert Pattinson. Oh man, Guy Pierce. What a great encounter that would be. I'd like to pick up all these issues of the Riddler and say, oh, <laughs> do you remember when he was rumored to be like the Riddler or whatever? I would have been into that. Yeah. I totally would have been into that, to be honest. Um, I I feel like that series could have uh, used a Riddler. I think Batman could still use a Riddler. I want a good Riddler in my goddamn Batman movies. Anyways. Yeah, not Jim Carrey fucking oh, just. Oh, quick aside, before you finish your Rotten Pattinson story, most important news of the decade. Huh. So Jim Carrey has been cast as Dr. Robotnik in the live-action Sonic the no. Hedgehog movie. Yes. Wow. Because <laughs> I know it's James Marsden as Sonic. No, James Marsden is the human that Sonic's going to be palling around with. Oh, that makes much more sense. It's going to be like an album the Chipmunk situation, I bet. Oh, God. No, I am... And then Jim Carrey is Dr. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be... A, yeah, I don't know... Uh, I don't know how that works. A, I don't know what his name is anymore. B, I don't know if he's a cartoon or a human. And C, I don't want to see this movie ever. I mean, uh, you know we're both going to end up seeing it. I am it. not. Yes, you will. I will not see this Sonic the Hedgehog Please. movie. Please. Come on, man. Well, we'll see what the trailer is like. I feel it's going to be one of these Smurfs type shit movies. Oh, totally. Movies. I'm not going to see a Smurfsy shit movie. But it's Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't fucking care about Sonic the Hedgehog. I kind of dislike Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, I kind of dislike Sonic the Hedgehog, too, just because there's a weird... Well, never mind. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's like a... it's Okay, so, like, I feel like it's almost the same as, like, if they were to be like, hey, you know what? We're going to make another Mario movie. Well, they are making another Mario movie. That's true. I'll watch the fuck out of that. I don't know, man. I don't know. Because... <laughs> I know, it's Illumination making it. And, like, you know, yeah. I just feel like Illumination just rests on their laurels, and I'm sure totally. it'll be very pretty, it'll have great animation, great art, and all that stuff. If it was Pixar or Disney oh, making I would not, it, man. Man, I wouldn't actually trust Pixar or Disney to make a good Mario Brothers movie also. Really? They would... T- that seems like right in their wheelhouse. It feels like they try to add too much to it, too much like... 
Who would you entrust with a Mario Brothers? It feels like movie? Mario Brothers seems more like along the lines of WB something. or something. Yeah, like Warner Brothers, like the guy that you know, like S- not Sony. Like uh, Warner Brothers, maybe Sony, probably more like Blue Sky. Okay. Yeah, I guess I could picture just something a little more middle of the road. Not DreamWorks. Something a little more middle of the road, just kind of like a nice classic thing, like Illumination. I think their movies, their movies are too trendy. I think is the thing I'm trying to say. Oh, they're too like hip and with minions. it. Minions. Like their their jokes are too too sort of pop culture of the time. Right, and I feel yeah. like Mario just sort of needs like a like a regular thing. But we'll see. Maybe they'll you know maybe they'll surprise me. Well, all I know is if one of these companies makes a Mario movie and it's like really like. And it's really like disrespectful, like that, right? Where it's like, oh, we're throwing in all this modern day reference humor into our Mario movie. There's going to be a lot of people that are pissed off. Well, we'll see because I know Nintendo's overseeing the project. Nintendo does not fuck around when it comes to Mario. No. Um, they like, learned their lesson. Well, they learned the lesson. Like they wouldn't even let like Mario like in the first record Ralph. They wouldn't let Mario appear anywhere. They're right. like, no, we're not letting you even. You can't even see Mario. They gave him Bowser, which is nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no Mario. I just want Mario to say more than four words at a time. That's going to be interesting. That's what I'm looking forward to. Is he going to, like, is he going to get, uh, I forget the actor's name, Charles something. Charles Dance. It's Charles M something. <laughs> uh, they'll probably. Uh, Charles Marionette? I don't know. That seems weird. You know, the okay, here's a, here's a true uh, test for if the movie will be good or not, right? Is who they, vo- who they cast as Mario's voice. If it's some bullshit, okay. So Charles, Charles Andre Martinet. Martinet. Okay, he was so also that's... a dragon in Skyrim. Okay, cool. Did he have the Italian voice? No, he was just. But yeah, so he's the voice of Mario. I think he's the voice of like. He's the voice of Luigi and Wario and Waluigi. And... Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, you know, if they vo- if they cast him or someone like him then, hey, that's a good sign for the movie. But if they go like, you know what? Uh, Zach Efron, then... Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Zach Galifianakis I'm just kidding. Louis, Mario. Louis C.K. got fired from that Secret Life of Pets movie, so Lumination oh. is done with him, as is most of the entertainment industry for the time being. You know, I honestly, I honestly do think, though, give it like a, like a couple of years, and he'll be back. He'll probably be, yeah. Not saying that I'm like looking forward to that, but I'm just saying like you give uh, like Aziz Ansari another year. Aziz Ansari didn't do anything wrong though. Well, like, hey, I'm mean, like he did. Yes, he did. But like in terms of like the spectrum of doing things wrong, that one was far more of just like he being, didn't do like, anything criminal. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like. But then Louis C.K. wasn't it just him? That was a little. See, that was him. He was like force people to watch him jerk off it was so that's like that's far more extreme. i'm still hazy on those details and i'm not gonna ask on the podcast but like yeah that that whole thing sounds real gross like yeah so like what was um, it uh yeah so like it's like you got like kevin spacey or like no we got like harvey weinstein at one uh, like one end then like kevin spacey and then like you know on like the other end well like in the you know then like if aziz but, Ansari's on the other end of this it's yeah like, so it goes bill cosby it goes bill cosby harvey weinstein Kevin Spacey. Not in that. That's not like in in on this line. It's right. Not the order. It's just a line. Right. It's just yeah. The different Super Saiyan levels. There's probably like one or two levels in between. I'm not really aware of Louis C.K. Some other things. Aziz Ansari. Right. Yeah. Man. 
Like, I don't think Aziz Ansari has been really affected. I think everyone was... I think a lot of people were like, okay, like, whatever, and they kind of moved Well, he, he just... Did, I mean, it helps that a lot of celebrities have sort of vindicated him. And it actually also helps that a lot of celebrities have been, like, fe- you know, female celebrities, right? That, that have, w- yeah. That have defended him. Well, from the sounds of what I read, it was just like, I had an awkward date, and the person was trying, like... Yeah. to make it a whole thing and everyone's like that just sounds like a pretty stupid date well what i think what i think what tipped the scales a little bit was the whole thing where she basically said oh but it was like non-verbal it was like um non-verbal um her like her, she didn't express her not consenting to things but it being non-verbal her not saying anything and then going and then them going through with it anyways yeah, that was like a whole thing. I, I don't know. Actually, I, had I had forgotten about this whole thing until you brought it up. Totally, because yeah. it doesn't matter. No, other things matter. That one's not as important. Yeah. Um. Anyways, tell me that Robin Pattinson story. Oh, just that he went to a comic shop and then uh, he was like really, really shy and really didn't want to talk to anybody and was like really kind of afraid to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And apparently, like at least at the time, like his whole life after Twilight was sort of like. He couldn't, you know what I mean? It's like he couldn't go anywhere without people trying to. Mm, it's fucking, like me in public. Yeah, me too, man. You know? But, well, uh, less so the people trying to talk to me and me, them not wanting to talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did he buy? Oh, I have no idea. Did he buy, like, bone? I'm trying to think of something like that. I can picture that. I can picture him buying a delightful bone comic. Or um, before Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think something he'd buy yeah i don't, I don't know think, i don't think anyone bought saga Sue saga he oh, he'd probably, saga. Like, he'd probably read saga yeah people well, love saga uh, the walking dead is saga still going on yeah oh they're it's... making an, oh do you hear they're making an invincible movie uh show show oh, okay well was it a show or a movie or something invincible... it'd be hard to make a movie off of that comic invincible property live action property of some sort yeah I guess it would probably be a show. It'd have to be an HBO show to do it right, right? Because people are getting like plowed through, right? Doesn't like Invincible like punch people's heads off and shit, like through their heads? Uh, well, he doesn't do a lot of killing. Well, no, Inv- Invincible himself doesn't do a lot of killing. But yes, there is a lot of killing in that series. Yeah, like every time I haven't read the the book, but I do see I've seen like a good amount of panels from it, and a lot of those panels are people like getting their arms getting ripped killed, off. Getting killed, yeah. Like yeah. their skin ripped off and their arms ripped off. Maybe not as horribly as it sounds just from me talking about it, but it's still pretty bloody. It's a very like honestly, it's a very smart comic, and it it ended, and I still haven't like I still haven't finished it, so I still need to do that. Oh, I heard it ends pretty well. Hopefully, I imagine it does. Mm, I just picked up. I don't want to brag about comics and stuff, but I just picked up the Hellboy omnibus. Oh, so um, there's only half of it's only been released. There's still the other half to come. The, the collected works finally getting all the Hellboy under one roof. Nice. I love Hellboy so. Cool. It's nice because I've had like you know like like a lot of the trade paperbacks and like those are increasingly hard to find. But it's like republish all in one yeah. place for cheap. Nice. So, yeah, that's the way to go. Scooping up those. Yeah. Finally gonna read them all because I hadn't, I haven't read through um like Hellboy and Hell or any of those new ones. Oh, I you know honestly when it comes to the comic I'm not too familiar. Hmm. So well the Hellboy two has nothing to do with the comics so you're exactly. Lucky and Hellboy one the for the movie is nothing like the comics also. That's what I hear. I mean, it's not nothing like the comics. It's just sort of an abridged and condensed version of a lot of ideas in the comics. Right. 
So hey, maybe this new movie will be twenty nineteen, uh, another twenty nineteen classic. Oh man, yeah. I cannot wait unless it sucks. I mean, like it's a January <laughs> movie, so it doesn't have a lot of um. Really, you know, it's a January movie. It's a I think it's a Lionsgate January movie, so it's kind of right now. It also stars Mila Jovovich, so it could be on the same level as Resident Evil. We'll oh. find out. Okay. But like you know, I feel like Hellboy can is a movie that does that you can do cheaper. I feel like the, yeah. for the two Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies were a little more high budget than they needed to be because you get like Hell, Hellboy and Ape Sapien and they're in a castle and a bunch of Nazis are there, you know. And yeah. It's like you know a little. You don't have to do like world ending shit. You no, no. I mean like the first Hellboy is probably as because it had like the big Cthulhu monsters and stuff. You do want that still. Yeah. I think the first Hellboy is probably as big budget as you want to go with it. The second Hellboy almost became a little too big at times. I know. I completely agree. And that's why I prefer the first movie. I prefer the, the second, second one just because the second one is just a better movie, in my opinion. It's just me. No. It's just me. I don't well, know. I, I like the stuff. Like I like the design of the second movie. I like the characters. I feel like the story is a little more interesting. I'll say it before. I, I'll say it again. That second movie was a puppet fuck. I love puppet fucks. Se- that second movie is a real puppet fuck. What? I, you, are you a... Are you a fan of Pope Fucks or you're not? I so I'm getting mixed signals sometimes. Because uh, you like Labyrinth, right? Or do you not? Well, here's the thing: the Labyrinth was a Henson production. It was it was very heavy in the creature. Like the that movie, that movie was about fun, crazy creatures. Yeah, and Hellboy isn't. In my Hellboy movies, I want it to be like you know Hellboy, and then like you know, uh, maybe some creatures, but not like a puppet fuck. You know I don't what I'm know. saying? It depends. Like, uh, like the first movie was cool because it, they were like in the sewers, they're in the subway, and it was just like here, here's one beast that you're fighting. Second movie, he goes into some marketplace and there's just like puppets I fucking like everywhere. Fun. Yeah, well, I like, <laughs> I really like their the puppet fuck Angel of Death that they got going on. There. Yes, that was cool. That was very cool. And it's like, oh, I mean, like you know, I like the makeup on the villain. I like the villain better. Yeah. Rasputin's kind of like an ant villain in the. In the first movie, yeah, yeah, uh, mm. yeah, and, and like, well, I do like the the cool guy with the gas mask, but he doesn't really do yes. much. And his gas mask becomes increasingly less cool as the movie goes on. I mean, I think we can both agree there's a better Hellboy movie out there somewhere. So hopefully that will be made. Yeah, well, this new one's like about this new one's about vampires or something. So yeah, all right. It was going to be called Hellboy: Rise of the Blood Queen. Now it's just Hellboy. He's rebooting it, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, just, you know, well, I mean, I hear it's darker. No. I just kind of like, you know, wish uh, the the Hellboy movies, or like the book, the Hellboy books have a lot more sort of folklore and mythology in them, like in terms of like borrowing heavily from both gothic literature and weird, uh, weird fiction and also just sort of like, you know, fun folk tales like goblins and shit. So mm. it'd be kind of nice to have that kind of thing where it's like, oh, it's got Hellboy's got to fight a bunch of skeletons or something. Yeah, yeah. So you know, more we'll of the more of the macabre. Yeah, that kind of gothic kind of shit. Yeah. It's, yeah, and yeah, you know, people are upset we'll never get Hellboy three, but we never rather new Hellboy than no Hellboy. That's what I say. That's true. Rather Hellboy than no boy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hell no boy. <laughs> Anyway, so Mission Impossible 4 is a great movie. I would totally recommend it. It's probably my favorite of the series uh, in general, but I haven't seen 5, and I recall 5 being quite solid also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'll let you know when I see that, probably next episode. What? Cool. 
And uh, yeah, I'll try to keep up with these mission. Some of the mission impossibles. Yeah, because uh, so I can chat with them. Yeah, with. maybe uh, you know, depending on how much there's to talk about the sixth one, we might have to do a mini soda on uh, mustache impossible. <laughs> Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill and mustache impossible. Yeah. Brought down a whole studio. That mustache. He didn't really. That's a joke. But uh, <laughs> what a hassle. Yeah. He made the right choice, though. So good I for him. I think it'd be better if Superman just had a mustache. Uh, yeah. Man, they give Superman back his underpants in the comics. And it's annoying me. Oh. It's like, come on. His other costume looked great. Like his like Rebirth costume. Not the New 52 costume. The Rebirth costume was class. It was lush. It's just regular Superman with no stupid underpants. And now he's got super, stupid underpants again. <laughs> it's... It's just like, oh man, I want to ruin a good thing. And I also hear that uh, I think Brian Bendis is now writing it, and I hear it's not good anymore. Oh. And I also hear that Superman, or sorry, uh, Batman got married, but then he didn't because fuck uh, that and uh, comics. Right, it's yeah. It's like, Jesus, oh, DC, what are you doing? Nothing ever changes. Yeah, which is a bummer. Imagine all the fun stories you could have with. Like, just, the thing I don't understand about the status quo, and well, this will be the last thing we talk about in comic books, is when you change the status quo, the story potential explodes, you know? It's like Batman gets married. You can basically have Batman fight every villain in a row, but the because it's a different status quo, it'd be a different thing, you know? Like, imagine how much fun we can have with Catwoman and Batman fighting the Riddler as opposed to just Batman fighting the Riddler again. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they just worry about losing their brand. That's oh, all. Oh, fuck that. I mean, but like, it's a thing. I mean, it's the reason why Mickey Mouse never changes, right? It's But Mickey Mouse is like These not, aren't characters. These are just brands now. The problem is Mickey Mouse isn't really a character, but Superman is a character. I would argue that they're kind of just. I see. That's the thing. Is like I would argue that maybe Superman's not. Maybe maybe the primary thing about Superman is that you can buy a shirt, a backpack, a cup with his Superman symbol. I don't so, know. I feel like characters need to grow and evolve in order to be characters. Because you have a character that's just like you know, like if James Bond was just Sean Connery, James Bond, where he's like a chauvinistic pig, like that's not cool. Like, he has to care, grow and evolve with the times, and he can't just stay the same all the time. But on that point, I don't think I would. we would ever see uh, a series of movies where James Bond is now a married man, or James Bond is now, uh, you know, has kids. Or I you mean, know. like, that would change his, like, core character dynamic, but, like, Batman being married to Catwoman doesn't really change anything. Mm-hmm. It makes him a little happier, but he's still about justice and stuff. If, like, Batman, like, suddenly, like, decided that, you know... Justice, like, you know, justice is nothing. Or, like, if Batman started killing people, I guess, that'd be something different. That'd be kind of like a, started a, a sort of a slow core betrayal of his values. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand where people are coming from like, with Luke Skywalker and that whole thing. I don't necessarily uh, uh, buy into that. But, like, you know, I can understand, like, oh, the Optimus character is now a pessimist. That blows. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I don't think that's a, that's more of just a character changing as opposed to them between their core values and also because the end of the movie Luke Skywalker just revert back to his old sort of self um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah you know things like that I think it just you know we've had 75 years of Batman comics it's, you can shake, shake things up at least for a couple years and then like you know if that doesn't work you can have the devil you know, Batman can sell his marriage to the devil and things will go back to normal I mean stuff like that does happen sometimes literally I'm making a very specific reference oh no I know yeah yeah. That's stupid. <laughs> Wasn't the reason like Spider-Man had to give up his marriage because comic, car- comic book readers are losers and they can't relate to a happy married man? Wasn't that like the actual Marvel editing team's reasoning for that? To be honest, I'm not sure. 
That's why I read. I don't really keep up with Spider-Man because I thought that was like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, I think that was like a post-Civil War thing. There was oh yeah, because he revealed his identity and they had to wipe that yeah. from everyone's minds. Because how dare they have interesting new developments? Yeah. So, <sighs> comics, <laughs> the the wheels spin ever onward. Yeah. And if you want to hear our wheels spin ever onward, uh, you can find us at filmtestedvoyage.com, filmtestedvoyage.gmail.com, facebook.com slash filmtestedvoyage, and you can see our reviews on Letterboxd. I am Batman Crothers. I'm Mr. Kerosene. Uh, we're part of a larger podcast network, the Let Me Listen Podcast Network. You can find all the Let Me Listen podcasts on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Please leave us some comments and some reviews. Hey, tell your friends about us. Yeah. Uh, you know... We want to expand our our uh, influence over your brains. Our empire. <laughs> our empire. Uh, hey, until next time, I'm I'm Mike Harden. You're not Alex. You were gonna say Alex. I'm Alex not, Keller. I'm not Mike Harden. And uh, have a great voyage. Oh yeah, well, look out for those dogs. <laughs>